0: Thanks, Dave. That was really kind of you. Um, praise God! It's great to um, to be with you and to worship this morning. And God's been speaking to us, hasn't He, about how um, He just wants us to be hungry for Him and and call out to Him and to feast upon Him, and that He wants to pour out more of His love in our lives. We sang that song, didn't we? About you know, um, you provide the fire, I'll provide the sacrifice, and you pour out your spirit, and, and I will open up inside. And I really believe that God wants to continue speaking to us through the preaching of his word right now and want to encourage us to keep doing that, to keep opening up inside. Because I think for some of us this morning, um, there's still more, um, I'm sure for all of us, but for some of us in particular, there's still more that God wants to do on the inside, more truth that he wants us to come to terms with. Um, there's revelation, I believe, this morning of God's unconditional love um, for us. So, King's Church football team, this is indeed a word um, for you. Unconditional love and acceptance. Grace and no shame um, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Have you ever um, lost something that you were desperate to find? Um, you know, there are there are serious things to lose, of course. I mean, if you're about to catch um, a flight, it's pretty serious to lose your passport. Um, I've traveled with Kofo, and it's quite stressful, really, because the losing of the passport is kind of a continual theme throughout the whole journey. The kind of like... Um, but, you know, if you've... Uh, no, that's forgetting. That's not losing. That's forgetting. That's a different story for another message, Dave. Um, so... You know, when you lose something... I don't know what about you, if I lose my keys, um, even if I don't need my keys, if I lose my keys, Judith will say to me, well, it's all right, we've got a spare set, um, just use that, come on, you know, we need to go, and I'll be like, no, I am not leaving the house until I have found those keys, and I'll be like tearing the house apart, and she'll be like, come on, come on, we can just take another spare set, I'm sure they hit, I'm like, no, I'm going to find them, because I'm like obsessed, I've got to find that missing thing, can anyone relate to that, or am I just really strange? Um, we've got a bit of a split audience here on that one. Um, But there's that sense of when you know you need to find something, I don't know, maybe you've lost that, I don't know anyone married here ever lost their wedding ring and not told the other person, but you were desperate to find what was missing. Partly because it was valuable to you and partly because of fear of your husband or wife. But there's that sense of you've lost something and you've got to find it. Well, Jesus um, told three parables in Luke chapter 15 about looking for lost things um, to try and help us to understand the heart of God towards those who are lost. See, the context was the Pharisees and the religious leaders, um, they were getting really upset because Jesus was hanging out with lost people. Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and and sinners and and publicans and people that the, the religious leaders they thought well god 's never going to accept them god 's never going to be interested in them because of course, in their minds they were the ones who were working really hard at being holy and and keeping all the rules and keeping all the regulations so what would god want to, what, why would God want to have anything to do with all these kind of like You know, sinners, with all these lost people. So Jesus tells them three stories. He tells them a story about a lost sheep. Um, He talks about a shepherd. Now, this would have made sense to those Pharisees, those religious leaders, the, the, the context in which Jesus told these stories. Because the people were used to the Old Testament and they were used to the concept of God as a shepherd. And so this would have related to them, because of course, a shepherd, if he lost one of his sheep, he wouldn't say, oh well, I've still got 99, never mind, let it go. That would have made sense to them, that story, that of course the shepherd will go, and he'll leave the 99, and he'll search for the lost sheep. And Jesus was saying, "Don't, don't you understand, when someone is missing, when someone goes missing, God doesn't say, well, it's all right. I've still got enough people in my family. I've still got enough people in my community or bring it into our day. God doesn't say, well, I've got a fairly big church. Never mind. He goes off in search of the one who has gone missing. And he tells another story. He tells a story about a woman who's lost a coin and in those days, in that time, we think the woman probably would have lived in a, in a kind of fairly small house, probably quite dark, very dusty on the floor. And so there's this sense of she's sweeping and she's searching, she's lighting a lamp, she's, she, she's sweeping the floor because she's desperate to find what is missing. And so God is, is speaking to us. Jesus is speaking to us through these stories about God's heart that isn't just like, well, well, well the masses are good enough for me. No, his heart is for you as an individual. And, he, and he's telling this story about this lost coin because God isn't just indifferent. But God will sweep and search and, and light the lamps and he'll go to great lengths to find that which is lost. And then these Stories come to a head. They come to this beautiful culmination in the story of a son who is lost. And we're going to read that together this morning in Luke chapter 15 from verses 11 to 32. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and it began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I've been slaving for you "'and never disobeyed your orders. "'You never gave me even a young goat "'so I could celebrate with my friends. "'But when this son of yours, "'who has squandered your property with prostitutes, "'comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. "'My son,' the father said, "'you are always with me, "'and everything I have is yours.' But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Isn't that an amazing story? Fantastic, incredible story. And- So many preachers have preached about this story. You've probably heard, if you've been in church any kind of length of time at all, someone preach on this message. You may well have heard me preach on this message before. But I do believe that God wants to speak to us again today through this simplest and most incredible of stories. We sang about about tasting and seeing how good God is. But I believe that God would say to us this morning, I am even better than that. I am even better than that. You haven't even begun to understand the extremity of my goodness. I am such a good father towards you. I am the perfect father. God wants you to know him as the father who loves you unconditionally. There was a man who had two sons. Now these two sons, in their culture, in their understanding, what was normal is they would have laboured with their father... In their estate, they would have worked together. And when the time came, when the father died, then he would hand over. There was a law concerning this. It wasn't like maybe he will if they're good enough. There was a law. Two-thirds would have gone to the older brother because in their system, the eldest child got double portion, the eldest son. And then the younger brother would have got a normal portion. So in their case, there's two of them, two-thirds to the older brother and a third to the younger brother. And so what was normal is they'd have worked together. Now, if he wanted to retire, this was normal as well. Sometimes he would hand over the inheritance um, early to his children. But the understanding was that they would labor together. This was their inheritance. This was their future business. But they become a part of that as heirs. They labor in it together. And it's theirs. And they inherit it when the time comes. But this younger son, what he said was, actually, I don't want to work together. I don't want to be here with you. I don't want to labor and wait and continue what you've been doing when the time comes. Actually, I want to go off and make my own life. I want to go my own way. I want to do my own thing. So he says, what I want you to do is I want you to give me my third now and we'll sell it and I'll take the cash and I'll go off and live my life my own way. So in that moment, that younger son is saying, I don't need my relationship with you anymore. I want what's coming to me. I want blessing. I want the cash. I want the money. But I want to go off and I want to live life my own way. I don't want to do it in close proximity with you. I don't want to do it in close relationship with you. I don't want to be stuck having to hang around with you all the time. I want to go off and make my own way in the world. Does that sound familiar to any of us? Whether or not any of us ever said something like that to an earthly parent, in one way or another, before we met Jesus, all of us said that to God. All of us. Because that, from the very beginning, has been our condition as humanity, that we say to God, one way or another, I'll live life my way whether or not we acknowledge his existence, whether or not we're aware that he is somewhere there as a father, all of us, one way or another, we said, we'll go our own way, we'll do our own thing. And this was the story that Jesus was telling. That God is a good father. But he's a good father of children who have a tendency to want to go off and do their own thing who have a tendency to turn their back on that amazing, beautiful relationship. You see, God made us to rule the world together with him. He made us to be part of this incredible plan and purpose that he had for a world that we've sung about this morning that would be filled with his glory. That his glory would be everywhere. The wonderful goodness, the bounty, the compassion, the grace, the loving kindness of God filling the earth. So good. And yet somehow we turned our back and walked away. So he sets off this son for a distant country and he squanders his wealth. He wastes it, he throws it away. It's his inheritance, and he throws it away. And that's what we did. That's what we did, every one of us. We threw away what God was offering us when we chose to live life our own way, to do our own thing. We thought we were so clever. We thought we were so wise. We didn't think we needed that relationship. We thought we knew the way of the world. We could make things work. We could make things work out for our family or for our friends. We thought we were in control. And this younger son... He ends up through when the money runs out and the famine comes along, he ends up feeding pigs. Now, again, for us, we're like, oh, it's not bad. You know, it's a job, isn't it? You know, it's some income. You've got to understand, in this context, there was a saying, there was a Jewish saying cursed is the one who feeds swine cursed is you know the the Jewish people they weren't allowed to eat the meat uh, of pigs it was seen as an unclean food and and so it was seen to have the job of of feeding the pigs so that other people could eat these unclean animals that was seen as like the, the you know a really lowly just a you know you couldn't emphasize anymore how far this young man had fallen And he's there feeding the pigs and wishing actually that he could eat the food that he's feeding them. His life is in a mess. And so Jesus says in his story, when he came to himself. I think in the translation here that I read, it it was when he came to his senses. It's another way of, of putting it. When he came to himself. I love that because what Jesus is saying is that actually... When you're living in that condition, you are not your true self. When you're living outside of that relationship with God, when you're living away from your inheritance, when you're living away from what you were made for, you're not actually being yourself. You see, we thought we were leaving so that we could go and express ourselves more. We thought we were leaving so that we could be in control, so that we could be the masters of our own destiny. And Jesus says to us through this story, actually, when you're doing all that, that's not really who you are. It's not what you were made for. And this son, when he came to himself, when he realized, this is not who I am, this is not what I was born for, he said, look, look, my father even has has servants, hired servants, who are in a better position than me right now. Now he understands, and he's not being overdramatic, he's actually right. He, said, he says, I, I, I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. You know, I know like some of us, we get a bit overdramatic, don't we? Oh, I'm no longer worthy, and really it's like... You know, I don't know if any of you have had, you know, you've done that yourself maybe, or, um, you know, when you want to soften the person up and you think, well, if I just beat myself up a bit first, it'll, I don't think that's what's going on here, okay? This son is right, because he threw it away, he squandered it all. He isn't worthy, he's had his inheritance already, and he's wasted it. And so he's thinking, I can't go back and say, well, you know, I'm back, What, you know, what am I doing? Um... He's like, I can't do that. He says, but maybe I could go and be a, a hired servant. Now, the hired servant was like even worse. They, they would have had like, you know, in that time there, there was slavery. There was, you know, so, so they would have had like slaves who were almost part of the household. And they would be provided for, but the hired servant is in an even worse position than the kind of servant or slave that's permanently part of the household. Because the hired servant only gets hired if there's work to do that day. So there's no obligations to that person, they've just got to labour for the day uh, and hope that there's work. They labour for the day and then they get something, you know, some money so that they can eat at the end of it. So this son thinks, right, well, I'll I'll go back to my father and I'll say, treat me like one of your hired servants. So off he goes. And while he's still a long way off, the father sees him. Now, I can't prove it to you, but I suspect that this father was on the lookout because he sees him while he's still a long way off. I suspect that the father was looking, just waiting, just longing for the day when his son would come to himself. And he sees his son in the distance. He doesn't wait. He doesn't think, Now I wonder what kind of speech my son will come up with. He says, Some of us, we think God's like that. We think God is waiting. And we're we're aware whether it was the first time when we first realized that we needed to come home to our father. Or for many of us here, it's like this plays out on a regular basis, doesn't it? Because there's like the big time when we first come back to our father. But then there are multiple times in our lives, if we're honest, where we realize, "Ah, in that area there, I'm not really living who I really am as a child of God. But in that moment, many of us, it's like we think that we've got to go back and we've got to think up this speech that we're going to give to God. We work it out, you know, maybe, I mean, when I was a student, I don't know why, I got into this thing. I was like, you know, I have to worship him. And if if I was aware that I needed to come back to my father, okay, it's between me and him what I did. But um, if I was aware I need to get things right. I, would put, I had a cassette, now some of you don't know what that is, but ask an older person um, and they will tell you. Um, I had a cassette uh, and I would put it on and I would like listen to this and it had Psalm 51 on it, which is all about repentance and forgiveness. And I'd listen to that and then I'd pray for a bit and then it had like a musical interlude and I'd pray through that. And, and it was like, if I go through this, then, you know, God might be impressed with my speech. When he was still a long way off, the father saw him and he wasn't waiting for a speech. He wasn't waiting for a speech. He was waiting for his son and he ran to his son and he threw his arms around his son. Now the son starts on his speech. His son starts on his speech and he's, you know, I'm no longer worthy to be called to your son. But before he can get the words out of his mouth, treat me like one of your hired servants. Already the father is calling for a robe and a ring and some sandals. You see, the robe was a way of honoring his son. So this son is no longer worthy. This son is racked with guilt and shame. Can you imagine the shame in that situation? It's been really, really public. You see, you don't sell a third of the estate, which would have affected everyone in that household. All the hired workers. Now there's a third less land in this estate. Suddenly the business has shrunk by a third. This has affected everyone. This has affected people's lives. Can you imagine the shame and disgrace? I mean, bad enough that he did that to his father... But maybe if he'd come back having made his fortune and started you know splashing the cash and buying presents for everyone, maybe he'd have got some of his dignity back. But this guy has made a total mess of everything. Can you imagine the shame and disgrace? And so he comes back thinking he's got to say, "I'll earn. I'll earn something from you." How many times have you done that with God? You thought you had to earn something. You felt shame. You felt disgrace. You thought, I've done it again. I've let him down again. I've given this speech so many times and I've made a mess of things again. And you came back with your head bowed low and you thought, maybe if I go to church more or maybe, do you know what? This time I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast two days every week for the rest of my life. Or, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Connect Group every week without fail. Now, going to Connect Group every week without fail is a good thing, guys. But don't do it because you think that if you go to Connect Group every week, somehow God will love you more. Don't do it because you think you've got to earn the food that you're going to eat. Don't give in the offering because you think that somehow you'll get a better car or a better house or... Give in the offering because you love God. Give in the offering because you want to sow into what God is doing in our world. And yes, the Bible tells you that when you live faithfully in relationship with God, that he will bless you. But that's a matter of trusting him to take care of your needs. But don't try and earn God's favor and love and approval. Because before he can get any of those words out of his mouth, the father's putting a robe around his shoulders. A robe that says this is someone special. He came with guilt and shame in his heart. And some of you this morning carry still a sense of deep down locked up guilt and shame. And We sang... You pour out your spirit and I will open up my heart. What if in this moment, just right now, in the holiness of this moment, we were to open up our hearts. Say, God, I still feel guilt. Sometimes, Lord, I still feel shame. Sometimes, I still feel unworthy. God, somewhere deep down, I feel the need to offer to be your servant. And what if God, right now, put a royal robe around your shoulders? What if God, in this moment, says, I don't want guilt. I don't want shame. I want to honor you. I want to put a robe around you. I want to put a ring on your finger. That ring, it was a symbol of authority. It was a symbol that he was once more an heir. He said, I want to put sandals on your feet. Well, this one is sometimes lost on us. But you know, the difference between a slave and a son in that household would have been that a father would provide shoes for his children, but not for his slaves. In fact, so much so that in the southern United States, in the time of slavery not that long ago, there used to be a spiritual song, a chorus that people sang about, we're going to have shoes. We're going to have shoes, because they were longing and crying out to God for freedom from their oppression, that in their hearts, in their identity, in who God made them to be, they were never made to be slaves. But they were made to be free children of God. In that moment when the father places sandals on the feet of his son, the robe around his shoulders, the ring on his finger, the transformation, the restoration is complete. I am not interested in having you as a hired worker You don't have to come here with all your attempts at religiosity. You don't have to come here to impress me. Remember who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to the religious leaders. He's speaking to the people who are trying their hardest to impress God. And he says, none of that matters. That's not what it's about. You see, God's ability to love you is far more impressive than your ability to love him. You see, it all depends on his ability to love you and not on your ability to receive his love. Now, we have to receive his love. We have to learn to accept it because as we do, we begin to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And it makes a difference to the way that we live. Because in that moment, that son's whole world was transformed. As that robe went upon him, as that ring went on his finger, or when the sandals were placed on his feet, he could stand tall. He could stand tall once more. Now the older son, he was appalled. He was like, "What on earth is going on here? What's going on? Do you know it's how the older son? He says, he says "This son of yours." I love this. He says, this son of yours. When the father responds, he says, this brother of yours. You notice that? This son of yours. He's denying even that he's his brother. The father replies, this brother of yours. But this, this older brother, do you know why he was so mad? Do you know why he was so worked up? What did he say? He said, I have been slaving all these years. So he was in no better a place. He never ran off. He never ran off and squandered it all. But he was living as a slave. He hadn't understood. You see, you may have been in church all your life. You may never have. Your testimony may not be. You know, some of us, the ones of us that don't have, I was the drug dealing, robbing, you know, murderer um, testimony. And then God got me out of prison and this happened. And, you know, sometimes we feel a bit intimidated by our testimony, don't we? And we're like, you know, well... I just grew up and went to church and loved Jesus. Um, Sorry. (laughs) But you know, if we've been slaving all these years, we're in no better a position. If we've been slaving, he doesn't want you as a hired worker. He doesn't want you as a slave. Oh, yes, the Bible uses images of us being servants of God and slaves of God to emphasize our heart of service towards him, of course. But you can't get that until you first got this. God wants you as a son and as a daughter. God loves you. God loves you so much that he will never, ever, ever give up on you. And his relationship with you, more than anything else, albeit that he will give you ways to live in his love, to grow in his love, to outwork his love. Fundamentally, it is rooted in this. It is rooted in his love for you. He loves you because he loves you. He loves you because you're his child. The father says to that older son, don't you know that everything I have is yours. Well, actually, technically, I guess that was kind of true until the other brother came home. <laughs> but God wants us to understand. I mean, Paul puts it like this in the book of Romans. He says that he, will he not graciously give us all things? So he said, "Bible, Jesus told us that we would inherit the earth. This world that we're laboring in, that we're longing to see transformed. We're not as hired workers in somebody else's business. We're the heirs. This kingdom, this glory, this love, this perfect love, covering the whole world. That's our inheritance. I'm going to invite the worship team just to come. And we're going to sing together, and we're going to have an opportunity just to reflect on how good God really is. And I believe the Holy Spirit just wants to help us in this moment, because for every single one of us, you may be here this morning, and you may never have actually had that moment of coming to your senses. You may have heard about God, you may not have heard about God, you may have had some awareness, you may have grown up in church, you may have never been to church before in your life. But right now, it could be that for you, there's a sense in your heart, it is time for me to come to my senses and to give my life to God. And in this moment, this could be your first time of experiencing God our Father open up his arms to you and run to you and embrace you. And all you have to do is pray to him in your heart. You can pray out loud, you can pray in the quietness of your own heart and say, God, I want to go my own way anymore. I want to, don't want to do my own thing anymore. I want to come home. I want to come home. Even if it's a home that I never knew I had, I want to come home. I want to live my life in relationship with you. But for many of us, that moment has happened one way or another. And yet there's a continual coming home, isn't there? There's a continual coming back to, I want to live I wanna live permanently in the embrace of my father. I wanna realize again how awesome and amazing this love really is. Because everything else we do, everything else we do in life, every little way that we serve him has to flow from, first of all, knowing that he loves you without condition. He loves you not because of what you've done or what you've earned. He loves you not because of your impressive speeches or your impressive acts. He loves you because you're his daughter. He loves you because you're his son.